Hey, how are we doing so far? Doing pretty good? We're working hard to make this a quality experience for you, and we hope that you're enjoying it. Hey, I want you to go get a piece of paper and a pencil, because we're going to be going over some questions at the end of the message today, and I want you to write them down. So go and get a piece of paper and a pencil while I do my introduction here, all right? All right, we're going to talk about worry this morning. We're going to talk about why worry. Jesus taught about worry directly from the Scripture. He taught about worry directly from the Scripture. Did you know that somebody did a study and they found that 40% of what we worry about never comes to pass anyway? 30% of what we worry about happened in the past and can't be changed. 10% of what we worry about relates to health. And the crazy thing about that is that when you worry, it's bad for your health. So you worry about your health and you make your health worse by, worse by worrying about it. 8% of worry is legitimate, but even then, your worry can't change a thing about it. Jesus taught about worry very directly. And one of the promises of God has to do with worry. It's found in, in Psalm 91, verses 1 through 3. It says this, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust in Him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the deadly disease. Psalm 91, verses 1 through 3. Those are verses that you need to commit to memory so that you don't have to deal with worry. So that when worry shows up at your doorstep, you can rebuke it and rebuke it in the name of the Lord with the word of the Lord. So let's believe God's promises and practice what we know to be true. Wash your hands, social distancing, don't go to work if you're sick. All of those things that we know about. By the way, if you're, if you're in a vulnerable situation, if you're a member of our older group of people that we have here at North Point, or you have underlying physical conditions that make it difficult for you to get out, why don't you call us? Let us know what we can do for you. That's what we're here for. We're here to help you and to make sure that your needs are taken care of. If you need prayer, please call. Let me know. Email, me, email us at prayer at hollandnorthpoint.org and we'll pray for your needs that you have. And just, just do whatever we can for you. If you just need somebody to talk to, call one of the pastors, call one of the deacons, let us know what you need, and we'll be happy to do that for you. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks directly about worry. He talks about worry in, in particular. And he says this, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can, you, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? I want you to concentrate on that. Aren't you more valuable than they are? God takes care of the birds of the air. And if he takes care of the birds of the air, he's going to take care of you too. Remember that. That's a powerful word for you this morning. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? You know, this verse tells us that faith and fear cannot coexist together. Where there's little faith, there's greater fear. We need to remember that and keep that in mind. Where there's little faith, 
there's greater fear. Where there's great faith, there's little fear. And certainly, God cares for us. That should drive our life. Is your life driven by faith or is it driven by fear? Remember that from last week? We asked that question. Is your life driven by faith or is it driven by fear? And then carrying on with that verse, it says in verse 31, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Three, three points there. Seek the kingdom of God, first of all. Seek after God's kingdom. Seek after the kingdom of God in your life. And live righteously. Live a holy life before Him. Live the best life that you can now. Did that come from somewhere? I think so. But you just want to live your righteous life now before God. And then He will meet all of your needs. And then Matthew 6.34 says, So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to come no matter what you do. It's going to be here. and You can't do anything about the things you're going to face tomorrow today. So just worry about the things that are for today, right? Wrong. Don't worry about the things today. Don't worry at all about things. That's what Jesus is telling us. But I want to, I want to, I want to bring out three points that these verses tell us about God and His nature and how we should live our lives. First of all, it talks about God's great love for us. God loves you. God loves you today. He loves you with an everlasting love, he says. In Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 18, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God shows his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God loves us so much that he sent Christ to die for us before he had any guarantee that we'd respond to his love, that we would accept his love. There's a risk factor that's in this that, that the Bible tells us about, that God sent his son before he had any guarantee that we would respond to his love. That's the kind of God that we serve. He loves us. Now, I want you to consider the sun as an analogy. The sun only shines. That's all it does is shine. Just like God loves us, it's the nature of the sun to shine. It's the nature of the sun to offer warmth and light, just like it's God's nature to love us. And it's the nature of God to love us. We are free to get away from the sun. You can lock yourself in the house. You can pull all the shades. You can go down in the basement. You can cover up the windows. You can get into the dark and you can reject the sunlight that you have just like you can reject God's love. But the sun doesn't stop shining because you reject it. And neither does God's love stop loving you simply because you reject it. God's love is always there for us. He will always love you. The Bible says that we can accept His love and be made clean from our sins. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
I want to encourage you to take that to heart today. If you feel as though God has abandoned you or he has stopped loving you, I don't want you to believe that at all. That's not true. God loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants your life to be worthy to him. And you can do that by simply calling out to him. So number one, it tells us about God's great love for us. Number two, it tells us about God's great supply. God's great supply. Now, look at Philippians 4, 18 and 19. It says this. Now, let's get a little background to this. Paul is in prison. He's under house arrest. And when the Romans arrested you and put you under house arrest, they required that for you to be sustained, for you to have food and, and sustenance and all of that kind of stuff, that people had to bring it to you. If, they didn't, if your family didn't bring you food, you didn't eat. If friends didn't send you food, you didn't eat. And so Paul was calling on the churches to supply his needs. And he says, at the moment, I have all I need to the church at Philippi. He says, at the moment, I have all that I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. But then he says this, And that same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which, we have been, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a lot of different ways we could go with this piece of Scripture, but I want to concentrate on the needs that he meets. It says he meets our needs, not our wants. A key to understanding this, this verse is to look earlier in chapter, in chapter 4. It says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I've learned how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. In other words, Paul was saying, you learn to live where you're at. You learn to live in God's grace where you are right now. Those circumstances that you're facing don't determine your level of faith. God determines your level of faith. God determines your level of faith. You need, less, you need less than you think you do. Did you know that? You actually need less than you think you do. You think you need a steak when you really just need food. A peanut butter sandwich will do sometimes also. You think you need a house with a four-car garage and four bedrooms and three bathrooms and a man cave because that's what you need. No, that's what you want. What you need is shelter. And God supplies those things to us. Whenever we need them, He's there. God loves us and has promised to meet our needs today. God's great supply is always there. There was a bishop in a small town that preached a rip-roaring sermon on God's ownership. And it put a rich parishioner's nose out of joint. The wealthy man was really upset by thinking that he didn't own everything that he had. So he invited the bishop over for lunch. And after lunch, they went and they walked around his estate. They went through his beautiful gardens. They saw all the flowers and all the plants that were there. They went across his woodlands and they walked across his fields. And he got all done and he said, Now, bishop, don't you think that I own all this? And the bishop just smiled and looked at him and said, Ask me that question in a hundred years. You see, God retains ownership of everything that we have. It's his to begin with. As the creator of all, God owns it all. There's nothing that is not under his authority that is not available to him. It says in Haggai 2.8, 
The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. In Psalm 30, or excuse me, Psalm 50, verse 10, it says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. In 1 Chronicles 29, 12, it says, Wealth and honor come from you alone, O God, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hands, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. God has the power to heal you this morning. Do you need healing? He created your body. And with simply a word from his mouth, he can bring healing to you this, this morning. Do you have a financial need? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. So knowing all these things, knowing that God, is, God loves us beyond anything else, and that God owns it all and has it all, why worry? Why, with all this, why worry? Did you know that worry is an attempt by your flesh to take God's place in your life? Worry is an attempt by your flesh to take God's place in your life. Don't let worry rule your life. Now, we all can't stop the birds from flying over our head, but we can stop them from nesting in our hair. We can say no to worry. When worry comes and begins to raise its ugly head in our faces, we can say no to worry. We can say that we're not going to let it be there. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. God cares about your worries and about your fears. He wants to take them away from you. He wants to lift them up. He wants to relieve your worries and your cares. Let Him do it. Let Him take away your cares this morning. John 14, 27, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus had just got done telling him that he was going to go away and send the Holy Spirit. The disciples were tempted to be frightened and concerned that Jesus wasn't going to be there anymore. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to give you a gift. It's peace of mind and peace of heart. Are you living in God's peace today? You can, simply by receiving the peace that only God gives. I want you to pray with me right now that God will give you that peace. If you need God's peace, I want you to receive this prayer by faith. Father, we come to you right now, and I ask for my friends that are consumed with worry today, that you would simply take that away, that you would come in your power and in your might, that you would deliver them from fear, and that you deliver them from worry. God, I pray that your word would sustain them, and that your Holy Spirit would come into their hearts and their lives and lift them up today. We ask you this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Did you receive that power today? I trust that you did. Now I want you to take that piece of paper that I had you give, and here's your homework for today, okay? I want you to do this with your family when we're done here. I want you to discuss these questions together. And first of all, discuss questions about God's love. Question number one is this. In what ways has God shown his love to you this week? Maybe it's something as simple as just getting up and taking a breath this morning, and that was God showing his love to you. But what has God done in your life to show you his love? Talk about it. Discuss it. Get together on it. And then the second question is, what are some ways that you can show God's love to others this week? 
It's not enough just to receive God's love, but we need to show God's love to others through how we live our lives. What are some ways that you can do that? What are some practical ways that you can do that? I have some suggestions for you, but I don't want to give them to you. I want you to come up with them. So discuss that. Talk about that. The second set of questions is supplying your needs. Question number one is, what do you need from God today? Go around the table, or if you're by yourself, just jot down the answer to this question. What do I need from God today? Maybe you need peace that we just talked about and prayed about. Maybe you need a, a financial uh, need met in your life. Something like that. I don't know what you need, but you know what you need. Write it down. Talk about it, what you need from God. And then the second question is, can you recall a time when God miraculously supplied a need in your life? I could tell you story after story of times when God met needs in Sandy and Mai's life and how we were, we were lifted up by God at the time just when we needed it. There was a time when, we, were, when we, were, uh, we had a bill to pay and God sent the money in the mail to us just right out of the blue. Totally unexpected God sent it to us and we were able to pay that bill and he met our need. And then question number three, discussion questions three, why worry? What are you worried about? What are the things that worry you? Is it your health? Are you scared of the coronavirus and all of the implications that that has? You don't have to live with that worry. But what are you worried about today? What are you concerned about? Are you concerned you're going to run out of toilet paper? I don't know what you're worried about. Maybe you're concerned about that. Are you going to run out of food? Are you going to run out of something that you need? What are you worried about? Write that down and talk about it. And then the second question is, what are some things that you can do to alleviate the stress and the anxiety that you feel. I think you can come up with some good answers to that, more than just taking deep breaths, maybe getting yourself into God's Word or something like that, praying more often, something like that. You can come, and come up with your own meanings, uh, your own answers to that question. Well, I hope you understand today that worry is not from God. God is not the author of worry. He's not the author of fear, but He's of sound mind and a good heart and a strong faith. And I want you to experience those things. So you answer those questions, and we'll see you next week. Maybe at church. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll keep you informed as to what's going to happen through Facebook and email and all of that kind of stuff. So be watching that, all right? God bless you. Have a great day.